Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 2009 to look at Neil Bloomkamp's sci-fi action thriller District 9. So let's get into the helicopter, let's go to District 9, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. money to keep them here when they could be spending it on other things at least they're keeping them separate from us how do your weapons work we're coming to you from the entrance of district 9 the refugee camp set up to separate aliens from the general population they told me I was going to get a vest. Don't worry about the vest, it'll be fine. Get the new agents, open the door, please. This is an amazing fight. I haven't seen this type of setup. I don't know, this has got the markings there of... Uh, so it's it's definitely alien, but uh, it's, uh, it's not a weapon. <laughs> Nobody really knew what this place was. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis for this film is Violence escalates after an extraterrestrial race is forced to live in slum-like conditions on Earth. But they find a kindred spirit in a government agent exposed to their biotechnology. It's got a 112 minute runtime and it's classed as a action sci-fi thriller. The film was directed by Neil Bloomkamp and he is a South African film director. He's also a producer, screenwriter and animator and he is known for employing a documentary style sort of handheld, almost found footage approach to his directing. And after the success of this movie he went on to go and make another sci-fi movie called Elysium with Matt Damon which kind of has a similar sort of theme, it's that sort of realistic sort of documentary approach. Uh, he went on to go and make Chappie. He's also created Oat Studios, who have made a number of short movies, sci-fi horror movies, um, which if you haven't seen, go and check them out. They are really good. They're really good for any sci-fi horror fan. And he also had plans to reboot the Aliens franchise straight after the 1987 Aliens movie, and 
basically abolished the story after that with Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection and then recreate it all with um, Ripley and Hicks actually, well actually Hicks surviving after Aliens and then going on a Xenomorph adventure I guess you could say with uh, Newt and Bishop and I think this would probably actually be the film that we all wanted back at that time as well because I really wanted Hicks to come back for Alien 3 and I think Bloomcamp was probably the right bloke for the job I think and he's the right guy for this job so it's um, one of those things where I think I will be forever in wonder now to see what he would have done with that but there's, um, there's actual concept art um, on the internet, if you have a look on there, you actually see pictures of Hicks with his um, scarred face with the um, alien acid and all that. Looks really good, looks really good. But unfortunately, this project got put back on the shelf by the main man himself, Ridley Scott. He came back onto the directing chair and he made Alien Covenant because he wanted to tell more of the story in his way and he thought that the Neil Bloomcamp uh, reboot would possibly interfere with this universe so um, it only got as far as uh, concept art I believe and um, the other project I think he was working on as well uh, Mr Bloomcamp is uh, Robocop he was looking at doing a Robocop uh, reboot but after talking about his reboots as much as I think he would be really good at doing you know an Aliens movie or Robocop movie I, I don't see why he needs to do that if I'm honest with you I think that Looking at his Oak Studios work, um, his short movies, especially Firebase and Zygote, I think he made about five shorts. They're only about 30 minutes long, might be a little bit shorter than that, but they look really good and they look like original stories. So I'm thinking, rather than just do a reboot, why don't you just go back and make some original work? Um, although... Let me just rephrase that. I know I said original. I mean, a lot of this stuff today isn't... It's, it's difficult to try and make something original. I appreciate that. But um, I thought that District 9 was a fresh telling of a story that kind of probably already been told in the sci-fi world. But I thought that he had a really good signature to it. It felt fresh. It felt gritty. It felt like the stuff that I'd seen back in the um, in the 80s. And it... And obviously Peter Jackson is attached to this and you can sort of see a bit of the old Peter Jackson signature there, especially with his early stuff such as um, Bad Taste and Brain Dead. It's like really sort of gritty stuff. And I'm a real big fan of this director so far, uh, Neil Blumke. I'm surprised we haven't seen anything more of him to be honest with you because of that sort of fresh grittiness that he's brought so far to the cinema. I, would, I could certainly see him do something like something in the world of the 2000 AD franchise, I could probably see him do a Dread movie or Robo Hunt or the ABC Warriors or something like that because he, when I watched District 9 I felt like he was sort of getting into the world of that sort of sci-fi 2000 AD type um, genre. And in actual fact, talking about 2000 AD comic, um, they used to have a story every week called Fog's Future Shock. And this is what kind of reminded me, uh, certainly uh, District 9, of that type of story where you'd have someone who get contaminated with alien DNA and get turned into an alien. Only a bit like a short story, and that's the type of thing that you would have in the comic. So that's kind of what reminded me of that. So, but... Um, Going back to the movie, how it was made and all that, um, I spoke about Peter Jackson. Now, he was the producer of this film. 
If it wasn't for Peter Jackson, this film would have been made, and I'll explain why. So, originally, Peter Jackson wanted to make a Halo film, which is based on the um, very successful Xbox game franchise. And Peter Jackson hired Neil Bloomkamp to direct the film, but unfortunately it all fell through, it didn't work out, they couldn't get it on board. So as a result, um, Peter Jackson was impressed with Neil Bloomkamp's work and he said, look, here's $30 million, go and make a film. And with that $30 million, Neil Bloomkamp, he made District 9 and it was a successful film and it did really well at the box office, um, it made $210 million. And then, like I said earlier, he went on to go and make Elysium, um, and then he wanted to go and make uh, Chappie, which has still got that sort of, that, that, that same sort of District 9 signature. It's got robots, it's got robots with graffiti on it, it's really gritty. It's probably how the future would be for us, I would say, with technology and that. Um, it's got like a real sort of like, um, real sort of dirty sci fi. Look about it, nothing's really clean cut, which again, it's that, that signature thing. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan of his work, I like it, and I'm surprised he hasn't done any more stuff. I hope he will, I'm hoping to see more stuff from uh, this director. But let's go on to the cast, let's talk about the cast in this movie. There's no one really famous in this film, no no big A-list stars or anything like that. But the, the main lead protagonist in this film is um, Shouto Copley. Um, he plays Wickers, and this is his first acting role. In fact, he's never done any acting before. He's actually just a friend of uh, Neil Bloomkamp. They worked together in the early days, going back to college when they were in South Africa. And they both worked on uh, 3D an animation together up until um, the production of this movie, where uh, Shouto Copley was invited to do like a screen test. And Apparently, just blew it out of the water. They loved him. They just thought he, he was the right right guy for the for the role. And for me, his character works for the movie. He's just got a sort of innocence about him. He's not in control of anything. He's well out of his depth. And I guess because uh, Shalto didn't have any acting experience, I guess you're just getting him as a person in this, just being himself. But it, it does work, and I'll get into that later on with the. Um, Review, but he's done really well for himself because he's since gone on to go and star in the other films, uh, Lee Sim Chappie, he starred in the A Team, so he's, he's done well for himself. But talking about the character Wickus, he did remind me of another character, funny enough, from a Peter Jackson film. It's funny how Peter Jackson is tied to this film, but I couldn't find any Easter eggs or time with this, just something I'd noticed myself is. Uh, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead movie. Now you've got the character Lionel in that. He's the lead protagonist, and he is a similar sort of character as Wickers. You know, he's a little bit out of his depth. He's a nice guy. Um, he's a little bit naive and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> he kind of goes through the similar sort of events. Probably, probably more harsh in Brain Dead, I would say. But um, he's a tank top wearing similar looking guy so it's just something that I picked up on, on watching District 9 so um, I don't think it's an I don't think it's a, a deliberate tie-in between the directors but it's just something that I noticed there so there you go it's um it's a bit of trivia that isn't trivia so <laughs> so that's pretty much the production of District 9 um, one thing I will mention before I do the review is the composer and the soundtrack for this film so it's um, composed by Clinton Shorter 
who is a Canadian and television composer. And he worked with um, Quato, which is a music genre that emerged in Johannesburg in South Africa during the 1990s. And they did a variant of hip-hop, house music, featuring African sounds and samples. And working with this group, they developed uh, deep bass lines, uh, percussive loop samples and rap. So it kind of adds to the uh, tone of this movie. So I always like to shout out the um, the composer and the music um, to these films, which I think is, again, I've mentioned this before, it's like a, a important, it's an important um, part to a movie, I think, the music. So there you go, guys. Um, so there you go. That's the production of the movie. So let's have a look at a bite-sized review of District 9. So the film starts in 1982 and you've got a giant extraterrestrial spaceship that arrives and hovers over South Africa and the film starts off almost like a documentary of people talking about the arrival, you've got scientists, you've got the press, you've got people talking about it, you've got people on the streets talking about the arrival of the spaceship. And a investigation team finds over a million malnourished aliens on board this spaceship. So you've got first contact, but you've got friendly aliens. And they get relocated to a camp in Johannesburg called District 9. But over the years, it turns into a slum and all of the locals or most of the locals are complaining about the alien slum. And it's just become uh, a point now where you've had the first contact well we found aliens but now people just want them to leave and go so in order to relocate the aliens the government hires multinational united and they are a huge weapons manufacturer and they help re- relocate the aliens to a new camp outside the city and running this is pet smith is a mnu executive and he employs his employee's son-in-law Wickers van der Meer. <laughs> so, I mean, this is Shouto Copley in his best tank top and moustache, and he is just pure naivety, I guess. You know, he's going in with his troops armed up with guns and helicopters and aliens and all that. And there you got him, Wickers, just running around with his little clipboard, telling these uh, aliens, which are now called prawns that you are now evicted and it's just it's just comedy gold in a way with this sci-fi movie and I think it's just what it makes it great it just adds to that movie just adds to the movie just <laughs> and this is where the film also becomes like a found footage movie because along the way whilst the workers is walking around the alien camp he is talking into a camera, I think it's the press, and he's talking about the camp, he's talking about the aliens, talking about the, the eviction And so at this point he mentions about the, I think it's dog food or cat food, it's something that the aliens like eating, that's like gold to them, that is um, their form of currency almost in the um, camp. And they also have uh, weapons which which are from the spaceship which can only be used by the the prawns or the aliens is what they call them. And um, it can't be activated by human hands, it can only be acted by aliens hands which is kind of like one of the side plots to the movie. So in the meantime, you now got um, three aliens uh, called Christopher Johnson, his young son CJ and his friend Paul who are searching the district for a canister and they're basically making some fuel to activate the pilot ship to get up to the main mothership and 
They get a knock on the door and it is Wickers trying to evict them. And Wickers comes into the shack and he's serving the eviction notice and he's searching the um, shack for any weapons. And he comes across this um, canister Wickers and he's toying around with it, he's talking into the camera and he activates it and then this liquid sprays into his face. It's quite a funny scene because it's like, he's gone, did you get that on camera? He's, he's talking to the cameraman, he sort of shoves the camera out of the way and says, uh, re-edit that, re-edit that, and he's like wiping his face and he comes back on and he's sort of like joking and saying, oh well, you know, back with the eviction. And then Christopher and his son CJ along with his friend Paul, they get evicted and then this is where you meet a cruel MNU mercenary called Cobus, Cobus Venter, and he kills Paul uh, with like a sniper rifle from a helicopter. And then so the first day of eviction wraps up and Wickers goes home and he gets home to a surprise birthday party but as he walks through the door he's um it, it's quite a funny scene actually because he's he's walked through the front door the lights are off he's talking to his fiance his very beautiful fiance and he says oh hi honey I've, I've got to run to the toilet because I think I'm going to crack my pants <laughs> and then as he runs through the, into the main room it's like surprise his whole family's there but he's feeling sick for a reason because he is now slowly starting to turn into an alien and the first part of this uh, transformation is with his hand. His hand, he gets, cuts his hand and then when he takes off the um, bandages he has an alien hand. And as a result of this transformation he is then taken to a MNU lab for testing because he now has the ability to use the prawns weapons because he now has an alien hand. And they see this as an option, and you get a scene here where it's it's quite a quotable scene. Actually, it's a scene which a lot of people talk about, especially when I mention the film, uh, you know, the District Nine movie, and I say, you know, District Nine, and people say, oh yeah, 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 I'll uh, I'll shoot I'll shoot the people, I won't shoot the prawn. And like you say, you get this um, scene now where he is um, being tested with the weapons. They put a weapon in his hand and. They try to work out whether the weapon will actually shoot a, an alien. And so you've got an alien and a pig. And like I say, it's where he comes out with that classic line. And they make him shoot an alien so now they know that he can actually use these weapons. So now he has become um, very vital to the MNU for their research and plans and being able to use these alien weapons. And so now the MNU want to use his body um, and the person in charge of this is actually his father-in-law who's running the company, um, Smith. And Wickers catches light on this, he knows he's in danger so he manages to escape the lab now he's on the run. And it's actually, his, again, his father-in-law, he's put out a story to... Um, the news, the broadcast, that Wickers is now almost like a sort of criminal at large and they've made up some false news about him saying that he's actually been um, interacting with the aliens in a sort of sexual way and um, they put some dirt on him, which is all untrue, but um, now his fiance's found out about it. It's quite sad actually because he's now, he's kind of lost his life, poor old Wickers, you know, his fiance doesn't want anything to do with him, he's turning into an alien, so things have gone really bad. And to make things even worse, he is now being hunted down by the cruel MNU mercenary, Cubus Venter, in his helicopter and sniper rifle. 
So now, as a fugitive at large, uh, Wickers takes refuge in District 9 and he manages to find Christopher, the guy or the alien that he evicted. And Christopher tells him that underneath his house is actually a command module dropship which will enable them to get back to the mothership. And what he tells him is that if he helps him find the fuel which has been confiscated by the MNU, which they have in their lab, he will be able to get back to the mothership and this would enable him to return back to a human being because they have all the equipment up there to reverse the process. So after obtaining some weapons from a Nigerian arms dealer in District 9, uh, Wickers and Christopher force their way into the MNU lab and manage to retrieve the fuel. And you get a pretty cool scene here, good, good action scene between them with the actual weapons. They look like they've just come out from... Um, a first person shooting them up sci-fi game so you would get a really good action scene here and then after retrieving the fuel they go back to District 9 and they go to the um, dropship and they're flying back to the mothership and this is where Christopher tells Wilkes that he has to return back to his home planet and it's going to take him three years, years to return back to Earth with the cure and then Wilkes gets raged by this, he tries to take command of the uh, ship himself but then they get shot down by Ventus, the MNU mercenary and the ship crashes and they get captured by the mercenaries but then you get a um, an ambush from the gangs who supply the guns in District 9 and they're having a fight with the MNU and then whilst all this is happening, uh, Christopher's son takes control of the dropship and he activates the main mothership and he also activates a um, an exo suit or something it's a bit like a transformer and this is where Wickers gets into this suit and he starts um, using it to retaliate against the gang in the MNU and he also um, rescues Christopher from this gang and he manages to get Christopher back to the dropship with his son and he's fending off um, the MNU and Christopher says to him look I'll be back in three years I promise um, to cure you he goes off in the ship and like Wilkes is left in this suit and you get really good uh, again it's a good action scene here where he's like fighting off the gangs in the MNU you get some like crossfire you get some missiles um, you get some like I say some incredible action shots here and it's all CGI it's really good CGI I thought but Venter the main mercenary finally cripples um, Wickers in this suit but before he can kill Wickers the other aliens in the camp come to his rescue and they mutilate Venter and this is like the final scene for him he is torn to pieces and then whilst all this is happening uh, Chris and CJ they manage to get back to the mothership and it activates and it takes off and leaves the earth and then going back to District 9 all the aliens are then taken to a new camp which is called District 10 and then the way the film ends is with um, Wickers who's been totally transformed into a alien he's left in the camp but then he leaves his, um, his wife a flower it's a metal flower on her doorstep and it gives her hope that Wickers is still alive and that is it guys, that is how the film ends, so it kind of leaves it open for a sequel, which I think Neil Bloomcamp's been talking about for a while, but um, 
We will just have to wait and see. Does it need a sequel? I'm not sure whether this film really needs a sequel, to be honest with you. I think it's just a really good um, standalone film. It, it does everything it needs to do. And I always think it just... The sequel here is just open to your imagination, really. It can be whatever you want it to be. So um, there you go, guys. That is District 9. I think it's a good film. It's gritty. It's something different in the sci-fi world. It's good to see a independent filmmaker have some success with this type of movie like i said at the beginning it's made for 30 million and it did really well at the cinema um you know 210 million dollars um i think it's had some mixed reviews critically but all in all when i talk to people about this film it's um, generally well liked so uh if you have seen it hopefully you enjoyed it if you haven't seen it go check it out so there you go guys, hope you enjoyed the show, I will be back soon, um, I'm going to be looking at the Liam Neeson movie Taken from I think it was 2008, so look out for that, that will be dropping soon, and for a little bit of admin, I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so go and check out the other shows on there, the other great shows on there, I will leave a promo at the end of this show, and if you need to contact me, the best place is on Facebook on the Bite Size Cinema Podcast Facebook page. Uh, let me know if there's any films you want me to have, have a look at on there. And you can find Bite Size Cinema Podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and if you type it into Google, there's other players on the internet where you can find the show. So, um, so there you go, guys. Uh, keep it bite size, keep it fun, and I will see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.